Yes, a victory series it is indeed. And here in Detroit, where so many of the tools of victory were turned out, it's in the air. All Detroit wants another kind of victory today. They're out to see the Detroit Tigers, their favorite ball team. Let's go inside. Welcome to the Tiger Mining Report podcast here at MotorCityBengals.com. And, of course, that's SportsRadioDetroit.com. I'm Rahel Lucas. Alongside me is my same colleague group, uh, first and foremost, Two gentlemen that I've spent a lot of time with recently, even well to a certain extent, this uh, other gentleman as well, Joe, Chris, and Jake. Jake definitely uh, got to get, know him very well this weekend as we were out in West Michigan. Chris was out there for a couple of days, looking like the Big Lebowski, and Joe was out there on Thursday with us. And it's been a week, six games in six days. Myself and uh, James Shipman, the director of player development or scouting, rather scouting develop well player development. I mean scouting development because he's developing scouts at a neck breaking pace and so uh, mucho thanks mucho what mucho what the hell's wrong with me i'm better than that i have a better accent than that mucho gracias uh jim jim and, and of course keen carter from the tiger minor league tracker for hosting me down in lakeland then i drove up got got back and in turn i got a sinus infection huzzah so that's why i sounded nasally apologize ahead of time and also a huge thanks to dan hasty for have me on the live broadcast of the West Michigan game. So I want to get those formalities out of the way. But, gentlemen, how are you guys doing this evening? Doing excellent. Fantastic. Roger, when you're telling me, like, what you're doing, I feel like that uh, – what's that? I've been everywhere, man, like playing that song. Yeah. <laughs> I've been everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know what the song you're referring Johnny to. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Reference. Yeah, and you know what? It was, it was great when we went to the – New Holland Brewery the other night, and we realized everything was closed at ten. And this singing feeling that was, or it was like nine, it was nine o'clock. They're like, "Yeah, we're not taking anybody." Yeah, that was weird, man. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go out with you guys uh, at night. But I, when you told me that, I was like, I was kind of shocked that. Yeah, Joe, you live in Grand Rapids. What's up with that? Why well, come all the yeah, bars close so early? Uh, well, first off, I'm a very old man with with two children who doesn't make it to bars very often. But uh, so I'm probably not the right guy to ask. But I I, I honestly hadn't heard that. It must be a COVID thing. Yeah. We're in this weird kind of like spot right now, right? Like we were in the middle of the series and they stopped requiring masks at the stadium. So sure. yeah, that was yeah, kind yeah. of like an oddity. And then you know, I think New Holland even said like you didn't need masks if you were vaccinated and. So it's it's this kind of like weird uh, balancing act that we're going to be in here for a couple of weeks, I think, because everybody's going to have a little bit different stance on uh, how to handle this. Yeah, definitely. And it was even like I said, even Florida, too, and seeing that little is it was a far different cry than what I'm used to seeing here. But let's start with the week that was in minor league baseball for the Tigers. And there's a lot to get to, because in addition to me being down in Lakeland and all that, but the we saw what was going on in Erie and, and I want to talk about Erie too, because it is a hodgepodge of veteran minor league free agents pitching, but then there's Jesus Rodriguez, Jesus or Elvin Rodriguez, rather. I almost said Jesus pitches for West Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get to, but there's, yeah, there's plenty to get to. And let's start, let's start at Lakeland. And I was there Tuesday and the first game I was there for was, I mean, obviously both games against Tampa as you start these six pack series if you will. And it was kind of the first game was a Gio Arietta start who last time I saw him was in West Michigan. And so uh, 
seemed to be fitting that he was back down there. And as well as first and foremost, uh, that field, Joker Merchant, I'm still going to call it Joker Merchant. It's a beautiful facility. And it was less than 400, 500 people for opening night. Wow. Wow. And, yeah. And it was strange. And I think it's because of, it was, of course, because of COVID, though. But sure. But I, I think it's Lakeland never draw, draws a big crowd. It's just the way it is in the Florida State League for some reason. I don't know what, why, but th- you'll see if you check the attendance on most nights, even before COVID, go back to like 2019, 2018, and you see like 150, 170. I, I don't know what the deal is. Maybe it's because Florida is like a moist oven. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was, it was cool that I, I was glad that you really uh, get, got to get down there and see some of those players. And I don't know if you'd rather, if we you just want us to fire some names off at you and, and tell us what you thought of the players you saw or if you want yeah, to go sure yeah let's see, let's, yeah we go from you can do that absolutely so if we just run down the lineup uh the guy batting leadoff most days seems to be kingston lineak who was the fourth rounder uh kind of parker meadows part two from the 2018 draft he was another kind of toolsy center fielder who needed some work on his hit tool i'm just kind of curious what you thought from him i saw you know i was talking about that with Keen. i thought i saw some improvement with him um he does still have that kind of he was hitting the ball a little harder his swing seemed to be improving i still think he has kind of the they're, they're very still similar profiles in the sense that you're going to see him swing a lot of you know nonsense fuel but i thought i thought his approach to the play was a lot better than what we were uh, seeing before so there's some improvement there for that definitely i mean whatever he did in the off seasons there was an approach that and whatever he did to work on his swing appeared to be working And see who, who is uh, who is generally hitting second for them down there. Is it uh, uh, Quintana? Nick Quintana was Nick Quintana. Um, so yeah, Quintana. second rounder from 2019, who we got a really bad look at in 2019 there at West Michigan. Has anything changed? No, not at all. No, no. I'm sorry. I mean, I hate to report this, but there was no change. There was nothing. He had a couple of uh, the pop outs approach at the plate was kind of, you know, three, three strikes. Or, I think one of the bats we've seen, if I'm looking through my notes, was a three or four pitch at bat. He field wise, I mean, he looked okay out there in, in the field, but nothing. Uh, I'm, you know, he no, nothing was hit hard. Nothing was with drove with force, and it was the same player we saw. Not bad as defensively as we saw West Michigan, but the same player we saw offensively speaking. So yeah, that's mildly disheartening, I guess. Uh, when you, yeah, it, it looks like a second round pick that probably isn't going to work out. I mean, I guess we we should say that uh, we are talking about a bunch of guys who, who largely haven't played in competitive baseball or took about a year off and it may take time for them to get ramped up. But in, in any time you're sitting on just a series or two, you can't really know it's, it's important to get back there at some point, but yeah, there's, there's uh, a disclaimer. we should put a disclaimer on that too, because well, in, you know, JJ Cooper put a good article about that today and how baseball America about how stats and everything are down right now. So that's a good yeah. point to point out, Chris. Well, but it, it's also, and it's something that we talked about with Chip in West Michigan. You can only talk about what you see, and and you can't sit on a uh, you can't sit on a guy for thirty games. So you go for you guys went and saw a four game series in West Michigan, and uh, so you, you can only talk about what you see. But before we get into all that, uh, we can keep talking, keep going down the line. Uh, uh, Winslow Perez is down there in Lakeland. I don't know if uh, you saw anything from him. Um, I saw. I mean. Winslow Perez, he had a he had a single up the middle of the first game, went one for four. 
he still looks a little lost at the plate in a sense. I mean, he a couple of balls he toppled a little bit over, but I thought, I mean, I Keen kind of was a little critical of him at second base, but I think to be fair, he's moving from short to second, which is and, and is I, I will give full credit to Chipman on this. He discussed the angles of throwing from short, excuse me, to second base, and I and I didn't think about that. I mean, I played baseball. And there's something worth considering that if you're on the left side of the field completely different from the right side of the field. And Joe, I'm, I found out too, you're a high school legend yourself. So you could totally attest to that. And I didn't think about that. Like, you know, okay, somebody's adjusting to a completely new position. And so for Perez, who I don't think played second base since his uh, GSL days. Um, I think that was something to consider, but overall he, I think he also, I think there was a game he DH too. I'm pretty sure. But either way, I, I thought Perez, I mean, he, he looked a little, a little thinner too than when he was that thick business to him but hmm. i don't know it's still again if, if perez we know this chris that he will not heat up till the, towards the end of the season so yeah. he just looked a little he looked a little rusty R- Raj, if you're referring to legend i can only assume that the legend is the sheer mediocrity of my performance uh <laughs> on a high school baseball diamond yeah that must be the legend you're referring to i want to hear i want to hear the story again about the fastball story because chris didn't hear that story and it's so yeah go ahead so, yeah, so, chris this is this is this is pretty solid so i, I i'm pitching to I, you know i'm i'm pitching in a in a high school baseball game and just just envision this if, if if you haven't ever if for the people who haven't been to you know to fifth third ballpark or or lake michigan uh credit union ballpark as it's now known there's a there's a very large scoreboard behind left center. There's a very large scoreboard behind left center field, and I'm I'm pitching to a kid, and I, I don't pitch very often. I basically throw batting practice fastballs. I mean, it's 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 it, this isn't good. And this kid ended up going on and 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 playing baseball collegiately as well. So that makes me feel slightly better about the story that I'm about to tell. So I throw this kid a fastball, and to say he obliterates it is probably underselling how hard this ball is hit. It's still rising as it goes over the left center field scoreboard. Okay. I mean, this ball was decimated. So, <laughs> but but that's just a high school kid who isn't a very good pitcher giving up a home run. The best part of the story is actually, I'm like standing in the on-deck circle getting ready to hit three innings later. My coach goes, oh my God, did everybody just hear that? That home run Joe gave up just landed. Because <laughs> it was it was destroyed, absolutely destroyed. Yeah. So, but yeah, Raj, the guy that I'm obviously really curious about, I think lots of Tigers fans are really curious about, is how Gage Workman looked down there when you were down there. So Gage Workman, there was one defensive liability, like, like maybe it was just like rust or whatever. But there was a ball that was like hit to him like shortstop, and it just went right off his glove. And he was like, look back, and he, it was like maybe a moment where he was caught off guard a little bit. The first game he looked a little rough. You know, he went uh, one for four with a pair of strikeouts. But the second game, he really stung the ball, and I thought he did a real good job his approach to the plate. And they won that game fifteen to four. It was, and Workman went two for five, but he had a double and a triple, and he was quicker on the base than I anticipated. And um, he showed really good, like really good in terms of like bat speed and just getting on top of the ball against a, I mean, he, he jumped all over the, the those Tampa or uh, Tampa tarp 
tarpoons. Yeah, the tarpoons. Tarpons, yeah. Tarpons. Yeah, tarpons. Uh, just it, it wasn't the same pictures that was working on Tuesday, but he definitely workman his approach on Wednesday was was night and day difference when I saw on Tuesday. And so um I I think he's gonna be give him some time as he adjusts, but I think he's gonna be fine. I think uh, the first game was caught caught off guard, but it's like as I've been learning, it's always that second game. You, just, you know, you just don't write them off on one game and but yeah, I thought Workman would look pretty solid. Besides that defensive snafu. Yeah, Chip had some concerns about the defense as well, but Ralph from Prospects Live is like all in on his defense. Like he's like, Oh, I saw him in the Cape, you know, I saw this many games, I saw this many chances, like he sticks it short all day long. So it's probably just one of those maybe uncharacteristic things where he's getting accustomed to pro ball, but um, it seems like most people are kind of in on him staying at short. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you could see them I mean, the Tigers are playing him over Winslow Perez at shortstop. And yeah, he's hitting the ball hard. Like you said, occasionally uh, he's got the capability of hitting that hard. You can also check out his stats. They have uh, it's one of the cool things this year, you know, when they added the stat cast, cameras at the spring training sites the ones that also double as uh, i guess what do you call it low a southeast sites now you can get the the stat cast data so you can go and, and you go on minor league splits actually and they, they make it nice and easy for you. you can see who's leading and exit velocities and things like that and uh yeah workman and jimmy kerr and jose de la cruz are all up there in terms of max exit velocity already you know 109 plus which is cool to see and yeah, Jose de la Cruz is, is kind of one of those. He's not quite the the man of mystery that Roberto Campos is, but he's another guy that, that not many of us had laid eyes on. And so you finally got a chance to see him really. What'd you think? I, you know, the, the first game, it was kind of, you know, he, he struggled against off speed pitches quite a bit, but again, something that chip said that occurred to me that this guy's only 19 years old, but he did make, there was a, was a certain at bat in the second game where he followed off three or four pitches before he finally struck out. But I thought he out of I mean, De La Cruz again just being out there as a young kid, he had a pair of walks, showed a good eye at the plate. I will say that. And what also I didn't know too is there's, there's the automated umps down there, so the mm-hmm. umps are getting that call where it was in again something that James told me in the next game because it was weird because the first game, the strike zone was really bad. I mean it was either really high or really low. There's nothing in between, and there was a delay when we were kind of like, what's going on? And Chips like, yeah, somebody told him that it was the they would get a call, like something something where the ump would get the signal saying ball or strike. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit of the confusion there. But in the second game, I thought he, I mean he had he had a pair of walks and he had a he had a hit. And so I I don't like to me he that the double he that double, I'm sorry, he had a single. I thought again, just it's gonna take some time to get some reps in, but I thought defensively I didn't see enough to to be honest with you to kind of give it a real opinion. Um because I was looking through my notes, and I didn't see anything like he showed a good arm. I mean, but but again, I'm not going to yeah. go and say and, things. And he, say things. He was playing right, correct, not correct, center. Yeah, yeah. Correct, I, correct. From the video I saw, he looks like he's pretty built, like pretty put together. Oh no, yeah. That, I mean, he's like, yeah. like you know, you, yeah. he's uh, he's a big boy for being 19 years old. Yeah. And it was funny too because one of the jokes I made was, comparatively speaking, the rest of the Flying Tigers to the Tampa to the Tampa team, a lot of the Tampa team looked like a varsity, like buff, strong. <laughs> And then you see guys like De La Rosa and, and Jimmy Kerr, and you're like, it's like a JV team, comparatively speaking, yeah. except for De La Cruz. So, and yeah. Gage Workman was actually kind of tall and lanky, too. And yeah. then, uh, um, Julia or 
uh, before we went up to Erie, was there on Tuesday night. Who was? Um, uh, the guy who got hit in the nose on the outfield. Oh, Boyarski? Boyarski was down there on Tuesday before he left. Oh, was he? I think it was in the, I believe it was in the dugout, too. Interesting. And the illustrious, and the illustrious Hugh Smith, apparently, was oh. out there, too. Oh, wow. So, so um, and you mentioned, you know, Eric De La Rosa is a guy that, that's kind of, um, he was performing well down there for you. I know that he, he was, I don't know if he was an eighth rounder, seventh rounder in the 2018 draft, but it was always kind of more of an athlete than a baseball player, at least at first. Uh, but it sounds like he was performing pretty well. Yeah, showed a lot of good speed. Had a good, showed a good arm out there defensively as well. Uh, I Again, I only knew a little bit about him only because I've watched a little stuff on him on GC on the uh, Connecticut and West Michigan too, where he struggled mightily. And so from my understanding, I, I didn't know too much about him. I just knew that he wasn't really much of a factor, but he looks more comfortable in down there in Florida. He was hitting pretty well. I showed good speed. Um, and he also was taking ball. He was taking accounts. He was taking, he had an approach at the plate. He was taking three, two counts. He was looking for pitches. He wasn't just over swinging. So I thought he was impressive with that. And again, I mean, yeah, did he get pumped every time he got a single course? But I don't <laughs> care. I mean, who cares? It's, it's uh, things like that, you know. Hey, nothing wrong with a little enthusiasm. We saw when we were down in West Michigan when when Jose King got a double and he was trying to amp up the crowd and a was it a one nothing game and that was their yeah. second hit of the night. It's like, all right, I get it. That's cool. I like a little passion. Um, is there anybody else in terms of hitters that you wanted to talk about? Well, the return of Dave Myers. I mean, Dave Myers was two. Oh, for, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was good to see Dave Myers back in uh, out there. Uh, DH went two for four. Hit the ball pretty hard. I thought Cooper Johnson, that's a guy who, for whatever, tonight, we'll, we'll talk about this a little later. West Michigan made a catcher call up because of Jake and I saw a witness was a horrific scene yesterday. Well, we'll get to that a little later. <laughs> um, well, but just, well, not horrific, but it was one of those like, no, I, I would, cringeworthy moments. No, I, I would I would say that they want Cooper Johnson and Dylan Dingler both playing like five out of seven days or whatever, you know, five out of six days, four out of six days, rather than to call him up to be a backup to Dingler or split three, three. I think that's why not. But, but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, like that, You guys thought, thought he looked really good on defense, right? Yeah. I thought he looked really good in defense. I mean, a lot of, the, there's a lot of wild pitches by West Mich- by the, excuse me, Lake Michigan or Lake Michigan. Wow. Like Lake Lynn pitchers. And he was able to, at one point he got kind of frustrated because he let a couple ball get past and hear him in the dugout, just swing up a storm. But um, he went two for four on Wednesday when I saw him and he's probably, he got rid of that hitch. Remember when we saw that uh, swing of his Chris, where he had that kind of like yeah. little hitch, a lot more even swing. And I managed to even it was something that I, I saw David Littlefield when I walked out uh, of the booth on Sunday I introduced myself because, you know, I, as I do this more, I don't want to be one of those guys that's just like, huh, I know it all. I don't know it all. And I will never pretend I do. But it was one of those. I'm like, you know, I, I told him, like, I, I noticed that Cooper's swing is different. And I, he's like, yeah, he's something he's, you know, we kind of I don't want to quote him verbatim, but he says, I'm like, yeah, something that we've been working on with. with. So he talked about how good of a good kid he is and anything and it shows. I mean, Cooper takes a lot of pride in what he does and. I, I don't know. Like I, th- I thought his approach to the play was a lot different too. And he, he showed, did he show power? I mean, I thought he hit the ball, swung it pretty hard. I, Chip might say something a little different, but I don't know. I, I, I like them behind a the plate. And then, uh, and then, I mean, you touched on Gio area who we had actually seen before 
and I, I maintain that he's kind of a creeper prospect. Like he's not, I don't think he's a starting prospect or starting pitcher prospect by any means, but he was touching 95, 96 with his fastball, right? And, and his decent curve. And then who else did you see? You saw Guzman? Yeah, Carlos Guzman is not a starter. Let's just get that out of the way right now. I mean, 64 pitches through three innings. And he his changeup looked really good. He had a good fastball, too. His fastball got up there. But in terms of, like, a, a curveball, not really much of a curveball to, to speak of. But, um, no, I, I honestly, Arietta, you saw that some of his spin numbers and everything. He could be a guy that could be a reliever, too. And that's what's kind of concerning a little bit. I didn't really see a starter among – I mean, and it was funny, too. There was one pitcher I had never heard of that was dra- drafted in a 35th round by Boston. came in after Guzman. It was Chris uh, Maloney. Never heard of the guy. came yeah. in. I was like, no idea who he was. And so um, he had a he had a decent – he had a decent day that day, too. But, I, again, um, Guzman – it was just like he just kind of labored through a little bit, but overall, I thought his his changeup was pretty good. Not much of a breaking ball, right? No, not much of a breaking yeah. ball at all. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, that's a great rundown. I, I'm, you know, I've never been down to Lakeland to actually catch uh, any Flying Tigers games. I've or GCL games. I went down there once for spring training back in 2008. It's actually uh, it was Dontrell Willis's first year. I got to see him start and give up like five runs in the first inning. I'm like, ah, it's it's nothing. Just warming up. Spring and, training. Yeah. No, that was and it was spring training for the rest of his career, unfortunately. <laughs> but, I, will, um, I, tried, I tried to get a look at the backfields, but they had them all closed off. But it was yeah, they, it, yeah. looked immac- it looked immaculate. The whole facility is top notch and, and really, really cool. And I just say this, I mean, wear a hat. I mean, it, it was hot. That, <laughs> I mean, for somebody that's not using humidity and and even funny, um, Sherry and uh Terry. We're just like, wait till July or, you know, same thing with Chip. Like, yeah. Wait till uh, games in July and August. And I'm like, I don't even want to think about that because I <laughs> yeah. can't. Down do in the, gu- the Gulf Roast League, they call it, right? Um, oh, well, I, I guess we should we'll move up to West Michigan. But before we, we talk about the games, we mentioned that Joe, Joe, you actually went out there for us to, to catch kind of the opening, like, uh, I don't know what you would call it, like here, opening media availability. And you saw some batting practice. And uh, batting practice doesn't tell you everything, but sometimes you can tell you some things. I'm curious what you saw at the batting practice. Uh, Chris, you know, I was, I was, I was a smidge disappointed. The highlight of going to that, that BP session, going to that media day and seeing BP was, was a chance to see Tork hit. Uh, You know, they were, they were using a pitching machine. Uh, I I couldn't really get a feel from the angle I was sitting at if they were throwing any, you know, if the machine was capable, had the capabilities of putting any spin on it. But it was it was a relatively disappointing batting practice session. I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of disappointed to be able to to report. Uh, I, I was expecting line drives sprayed all over the you know sprayed all over the field. You know balls hit to the gap. You know maybe the occasional home run. Really, the only home run that I saw was kind of a wind aided fly ball out out to left, and it was really you know much less than I was anticipating you know, being able to see, I mean, the swing looked, I mean, I, w- I won't say the swing looked bad, but I, you could definitely tell he lacked comfort level standing in the box with, with, you know, being pitched to, and that was by a pitching machine. And I think now that we're getting into live game action, we're seeing that that's really carrying over to, you know, to live game action as well as, as he's just really struggling in the box right now. I mean, his approach is a, is a disaster and, you know, making contact is obviously a significant issue for him. Yeah, now and then, Jake, you've been uh, 
you've been kind of quiet now because you weren't down there at Lakeland, but you were definitely out there in West Michigan for, for what four games you saw. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I don't know how we want to do this. If we want to go player by player again, or she just dig right into the, the main issue here. <laughs> I mean, torque is the meat and potatoes <laughs> of the conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's Joe kind of hit on it. It's the approach for me. It's he, he's super passive. He's, he's trying to walk, you know, there are multiple occasions where he's looking back at the umpire to, to argue with calls um, visibly frustrated, you know, obviously he's been going through it basically since spring. So this is going on, you know, three months or something like that. Now, um, a lot of foul outs, a lot of pop-ups, um, didn't look comfortable, seemed late on a lot of things, struggled to square things up. Even the, the walk-off single that he had the one night, I think that would have been Friday night, um, was, you know, just kind of a, a blooper, um, I don't know. It's it's quite frustrating to to watch him because of the expectations we had. And I was kind of surprised, honestly, you know, even physically. Yeah, I was expecting this big, you know, lumbering specimen presence. And he really isn't that. And I guess that kind of lent context to um, him being put at third base by the organization. You know, after I saw him in person, I was like, oh, okay, I kind of get it now. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, overall, offensively, it was uh, pretty disappointing. Yeah, and, and I think he only played third once while we were out there, right? He played first the next three games, yeah. which uh, oh, which could could uh, possibly lend one to think like, hey, maybe they're just like, all right, let's take the def- defense off the table for you right now and get back to something you're used to and just try to hit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you you hit on basically the key points there. The the approach to me seems like you said very passive. And and he's taking walks, but I I classify them kind of as minor league walks, if you will. Exactly. Like, yep. Like he, you could tell he has a, he has he's an idea of the zone, and but, uh, he's basically he's not working walks. These are minor, like you know, low A or high A pitchers. And, you know, many of them not going to ever see the majors, and they don't have, you know, close to major league command or control, and they're mm. throwing balls and he's taking them. But but when they throw it in the zone, there's an awful lot of swinging and missing. And, and not a lot of contact uh, and, and certainly no hard contact. That's yeah. that's the thing. I didn't see a hard hit ball the whole week. Yeah. I, I only saw two games, but I was watching the other two on TV. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I'm curious on kind of what you guys think. I'll kind of throw this back at you. I saw a Twitter question or a Twitter, I guess, response that was suggesting that he should go back to West Michigan. And and to me, after being at the games, after seeing him, it it's not like we saw this, you know, premium loons staff in West Michigan, you know, there were very few guys that were touching, you know, even low nineties, low to mid nineties. Um, this, this wasn't some, you know, just premium pitching performance where you can go, okay, like, you know, I, I can see that, but it was tough to even find silver linings. So I, I just don't think, you know, anybody can watch four pitches to the backstop, go down to first base and, you know, help your on base percentage. I don't think it really benefits him to go back you know, down a level. I think if he's struggling, I think that's, you know, a little bit better than trying to go down to lesser competition and figure it out. I don't know what you guys think about that. Well, I mean, you talk about the velocity and Troy, he, Cole Percival, which is the son of Troy Percival, was what, 93, 92, 93. You had Vargas at 94. Um, Beater was pretty, you know, pretty, you know, mid 90s, I think 92, 93. But Martinez, the first pitcher he faced, was 90 88 tops but martinez was a quick efficient worker and all they were able to do is just jam him up, up upstairs and joe i remember you you and i were talking about this too it's just 
even when he does that kind of half cut thing, like he's trying to do is like almost like he said happens is like half cut on the outside corner and, and teams are getting them either up and inside. And then at some points they're like, Oh, screw it. We'll just throw it over the middle. Yeah. And nothing. I, yeah. Roger. I mean, like, I, I think that game that that Thursday night game that I watched is a great example, you know, with you guys was a great example of his issues right now. I mean, on the surface, you look at the numbers. I mean, I think he was, I mean, I think he was one for two one for three with two walks, but the single was a weekly hit ball through the right side, you know, weekly hit ball through the right side of the infield, which he kind of had one of those little, I mean, he, you could say as an outside pitch, he was trying to go, you know, go with the pitch and stuff a little bit, but I mean, he didn't drive it the other way with authority. I mean, he didn't leverage the back half of his body and, and try to drive the ball. I mean, he just slapped it, the, you know, slapped it the other way. Like he was a, you know, weak hitting middle infielder. Um, and then, yeah, you guys hit the nail on the head. I mean, the two walks that I saw were, I mean, a bunch of pitches. I mean, you know, a bunch of pitches that weren't really all that close, to be quite honest. And then his other two at-bats, he struck out, uh, you know, with a ton of swing and miss. I, I mean, there were bet some fouls. But, I mean, I I, I definitely and, – and I was certainly somebody, as most people were, were in the camp that thought this guy was a – pretty no miss prospect from the you know from an offensive standpoint and i didn't see that um you know on thursday night that's for sure yeah so so the hardest thing to square i guess for us is knowing that this was a guy who was pretty much universally praised for being an advanced hitter with plus or plus plus power you know one of one of the best hitters to come out of college in years if not decades yeah yeah, Mark Teixeira, Chris Bryant, somebody like that. You, you see him compared to that a lot. And, you know, it, there are misses in, in the draft all the time. It's it's getting seems to be getting more rare to see misses like this, especially with position players. So it's it's hard for me to square the player that we saw with what was he was supposed to be. And I just have a hard time believing that this is who the Tigers saw when they were scouting. And, and one of the things that is – I'll illustrate it with, I, I mentioned to Chip, I'm like, you know, one of us, it was certainly a topic of conversation for us basically all weekend. And I was like, yeah, some of us is, one of us has got to be the first one to put a roll 40 on him, basically, you know, a, a backup. And Chip, you know, who I trust as an evaluator more than just about anybody said, I couldn't put a roll 40 on him right now. He, he would get murdered by major league pitching. And he's absolutely right. So I don't know what you do <laughs> with, I mean, we, we've seen a little bit, but Chip has seen more. He saw him down in extended spring training too. He saw a lot of these guys, so it's not just like he saw four games and made the decision. He's seen a half dozen, maybe ten. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's it's just really hard to square that with what what we saw with who he was supposed to be, and I don't really know what to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it's even it's something that you brought up on the beater against beater. There's an example of it too, Chris. I mean, there's this when we talk about have we seen any differences in, in Parker Meadows? And I know that Lynn Henning is a Parker Meadows fanboy and jokes aside, you know, like, you know, it's, fu- yeah. it's, it's funny. We can laugh about it now, but I mean, in terms of even like, but just, I want to share with everybody here and we're going to put this clip on, we're going to put this part on YouTube. We're not going to uh, put obviously not all of this on here, but mm-hmm. what I want to share with everybody here is what Chris posted and I'll let Chris kind of take it away here. Let me make it. So, here. well, the first thing I did today, I, I, I tweeted out that I think Tigers fans need to recalibrate their expectations for the 2020 draft picks. And the three that we saw were, were Torkelson, Cabrera, and Dingler. 
And uh, yeah, so right now we're watching. This is uh, Parker Meadows. Clayton Beater was was a pretty touted arm. I think he ended up going in the third or fourth round of the Dodgers. There was some talk early in the season that he might go in the first. But yeah, he just comes out throwing, I think it's like 92, 94. But it's it's a tough over-the-top angle. And he just blows Parker Meadows away. Parker Meadows doesn't touch four fastballs, three of them right down the middle, nothing. And then you see the same sort of issue with Torque, although he's he's elevating a little bit here. And then that one was right down the middle, and he swung right through it. Didn't didn't touch it. And then we come up to Dylan Dingler, and we'll get to Dingler soon because it wasn't an all bad weekend. We have I think we have a lot of good stuff to say to Dingler. But you see Im- immediately, Dingler actually makes contact, which nobody else did, and he gets busted up and in. But here's the adjustment: he gets that fastball again, and he doesn't miss it. He waits on it. He hits it hard to the opposite field, uh, and I think that that's what you thought you would see from Torkelson, kind of a ad- more advanced approach, a guy who can adjust and. and do what he has to do, hit the ball hard. And we didn't see it from Torkelson. We saw it from Dingler. And there he is, uh, you know, swiping second on a, a ball in the dirt. And this is uh, this is Roger's guy, another uh, sleeper prospect, they call him, creeper prospect, Andre Lipsius. He just, uh, he got, you know, that was kind of a tough call there. I don't know if that actually caught the outside of the plate. But yeah, Peter, uh, yeah, Peter was one of the, one, he went one straight, yeah, <laughs> Peter looking back like, yeah, I got you. <laughs> the Peter cheater. Um <laughs> no, no, he, yeah, he, I mean, he, he's a quality pitching prospect, but he's not like, you know, he's not Garrett Cole. He's a guy with it with kind of a tough angle and an interesting two pitch mix, at least. He kind of looks uh, like Garrett Cole, doesn't he? With that, like, thick, yeah. like, yeah, thigh, like, thick muscular thighs. Like, I was like, I feel like I'm looking like a Garrett Cole light up on the mound. Yeah, or maybe he's like his, you know, redheaded stepchild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, the reason I posted that video was I thought it was very illustrative of of what I was saying earlier, where you see you see Torque, he took a couple balls that were kind of easy to take, and he swung at a couple high fastballs that were borderline. And then when it was time, 3-2, he just, uh, Beater just was like, all right, I'm just going to rear back and throw it down the middle. And I don't know, it was 93, and Torque just swung right through it. And we saw that over and over again. And yeah, like I there said, there was one point in the weekend where he got a 3-0 count, and I think the bases were loaded or yep. yeah, bases were loaded, yeah. And he yep. fouled it off, fouled it straight back. It's like I think he was just kind of frustrated almost with himself to like get himself going, and he still couldn't, you know, make the contact to to drive and run. So it was kind of frustrating. And it, it's not it wasn't quite as evident on that video, but in that three two count, it looked it looked like two things. Either Torque was hoping for a walk. <laughs> And like was going to try to swing and, and follow it off at the end, or he was expecting a breaking ball and got the fastball and he was really late on it. And I don't know if either of those are like a great thing, <laughs> like especially not, not hoping for a walk is a bad thing and, and expecting a breaking ball and, and reacting late to a fastball is probably not what you want to do with two strikes. That's why it, like we compare it to Dingler. Oh, and two, instead of, uh, you know, gets a fastball and waits on it and hits it the other way, you know, it's uh, I don't know. I don't know how much more we want to harp on Torque. <laughs> yeah, it's <look, laughs> just so look, perplexing, right? Yeah, no, it is perplexing. Yeah, and right. look, I'm not trying to. It's still. I mean, like I said, we there's. It's still early in the season. You don't want to write it off. Maybe it's just him getting used to playing professional ball. It could be a lot of different things. I don't know. And yeah. there's a lot of batting averages across minor league baseball that are just bad. And so I, I, I don't. I don't want Tiger fans to go, man. You guys are crapping all over him. No, no, no. He's a boss. It's. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that at all. No, so, no, it it just it was it was tough to see, and I keep I keep expecting like one of these days he's going to snap out of it, and it's going to be like, oh, all right, now this is the torque. He's going to you know start going three for four every night and and hitting the ball hard, but it just you you don't see it yet. I don't know. It's it's slightly alarming, 
but uh, I don't know. Yeah, if, if either of you guys have any uh, more last words on it, or we can move on to some of the other players. The only, the only thing I'm going to say was that he did look a lot better, even with that weird – was it – Jake, when he had that that throw from second base, was that him just over – he just, he just kind of – I don't know what was that throw all about, but it was – You I, know, that was from um, – is it Corey Joyce? Yeah, Corey Joyce. That, is that, that bad throw or something from – I think it was Sunday, I think it was. I, I happened to look down once that happened, and then I heard the crowd kind of react, so I looked up really quick, but the play had already happened. So I asked Chip. I was like, what – you know, what was it? Cause it was a very short throw. Right. If you recall. And, um, you know, chip, chip felt like torque should have had that ball. So I, yeah. I'm not sure. I didn't see it myself. I just happened to look down, go figure. So. Yeah. Chip and I were both talking about that. I thought it was a kind of a, a high throw by Joyce, but then when I realized when he didn't bring his glove down, he could have had that. So maybe from my, from my the, perspective, you know, I thought maybe it was a too high of a throw. What are you going to say, Chris? The official score was a missed catch error by Torkelson, but, um, I don't that's know. You, those, that's always, you never really know. I remember we watched Nick Quintana get banged with a couple of errors that were definitely Ray Rivera's fault a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. We did see Torque make a nice, oh, like, you know, he leaned over the, the railing and caught a foul ball. What was kind of funny about that was uh, the uh, Loon's third baseman did the exact same thing to him later in the game. It, yep. it like yep. leaned even farther over. It was like, oh, all right, well, that's a tough break. But <laughs> I think on most days we were there, uh, batting behind Spencer Torkelson was Dylan Dingler, the Tigers' second-round pick from last year. And I think we all came away from the weekend really, really, really impressed with Dylan Dingler. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the first plays we saw him make was the... <laughs> well, Golf clap. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think one of the first plays we watched watching Dingler was the back pick. Mm. And... Right after that happened, I turned over to Chip and I said, "Quote this: This guy's an effing dude," and yeah. that's kind of how I how I feel. I mean, he's he's super athletic behind the plate. It's not that tank that you typically look for behind you know behind the plate when you're looking for a defensive catcher. But he's so athletic, so agile, it almost doesn't matter. And um, good approach at the plate. He went the other way twice. You saw with Beater on that video, and then went opposite field for a home run. I mean, he's just and we were having the conversation about, you know, who you'd rather have between like the top guys. And it's just kind of something fun that we do and, and talk about naturally. And for me, I mean, it's a it's a rare skill set when you think about a catcher that has, you know, good all around defensive abilities, strong arm, can hit the ball. I don't know. I, I chose Dingler myself, but I wouldn't blame anybody for going, you know, any other direction with it. But that's just kind of how I felt about him. I think he's a top 100 prospect easy. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I don't know about you, Joe. I know you were there Thursday. No, he wasn't. Was he? He wasn't batting on Thursday, was he? No, no he was, he, I, 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 I unfortunately no. missed him. Do yourself a favor, Joe. Yeah, you got Alfonso. Yeah, I did get Alfonso. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. But no, if you get a chance, Joe, go by yourself, sit and just watch and be in awe of Dingler because <laughs> it was something. I was. It was something that there's a lot of times where I try not to get like you know like there's just Brian Packard thing. Well, we'll get to him too a little bit later. But what I was impressed with was the fact that he looked the not only they looked the part, you know, you look at I mean, this guy, you look at Tiger catchers throughout time, it's always a short, stubby dude, or like, you know, the James McCann who looked like, you know, Captain America, whatever. But Diggler just not only looked the part, I mean, the, that back pick he had, the second base was just a thing of beauty. But 
you, you know, you talk about Diapo Taco. I mean, that wasn't that was something that. How often do you get this? I mean, what was that, Chris? We we talked about it before. We you, you never seen it before. No, I mentioned to you. You know, I've been to I don't know twenty games at at uh, LMCU Park, fifth third field or whatever. <laughs> uh, and I had never seen a, a Whitecaps player hit an opposite field home run. Uh, you got to see two that weekend, I think. Then you you got to see Lipsius do it, and then yeah, and then Dingler do it. Um, yeah, I, I just it's it's one of those things where I struggle to not like when we saw Nick Quintana two years ago. He went zero for four with four strikeouts, and I was like, all right, he looks awful. I don't want to judge too much in one game, and I I can't remember a more impressive single game performance than what I saw from Dingler on, on that. It was Friday night, I think mm-hmm. where and Jake, you mentioned, I think he got a single, the opposite field, like past the second baseman, his first time up, hit it hard. His next two at bats were like screaming line drives to center field. Like he hit it really hard. And then there was that epic, you know, like backyard home run. Yeah. And it was th- uh, two outs in the bottom of the ninth down one, nothing three, two count. And he hits it opposite field out of there. It was uh, spectacular. And then, you throw in the defense. You guys talk about the back pick. I, I, for some reason, I felt like it was one of those things where I f- sort of felt it coming. So I got the stopwatch ready, and I got a one point eight two pop time on that. Now, if you know what a pop time, if you know what a pop time is, it's it's the time from when it hits the catcher's glove to when it hits the second baseman or shortstop's glove. Now, I'm not a robot. I'm sure it was probably. Did I say that right? I said that right Sunday, right? I said that right on the broadcast. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, but it's basically, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm comfortable saying it was a tenth of a second slower or, you know, maybe even two tenths slower than I thought. But it, it, it was a rope right on the bag. Uh, and, and I, you know, I was getting his pop times thrown down to second the whole game, and they were consistently in the one nines, uh, low, low twos, which is two is average, major league average. So anything above that is, is legit. So I have no doubts about his arm. I think it's an easy and above average, if not plus or better arm. Uh, and you, you talked about you talked about his uh, you know his athleticism. We saw that in a in the extra innings. You got to see right there, great timing, Raj. That that play right there. Watch him grab this ball and basically leap behind him, <laughs> like like mm-hmm. I, I, you can't really appreciate that until you try to do it yourself. I think you try to catch a ball and then turn around and grab. Yeah, like essentially I just one motion. Hamstring thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's just the sort of thing like. You know, athletes like that don't normally play catcher. It's yeah. it's what we talked about. I mean, he was a center fielder a little bit at Ohio State in college, and you know, you don't want to gush too much, but like it was a really, really impressive game. And he seems to call a good game too. I think both the games I caught with him behind the plate, uh, they gave up what like one or two runs. I mean, the, the starters were you know Bo Brisky and Jesus mm-hmm. Rodriguez. I think they both pitched pretty pretty well. So, I, I mean, I have no complaints. I agree with you, Jake. I think he's a, a, a Easy top 100 prospect by the end of the year, if not by the middle of the middle of the year. Um, and and yeah, I think Tigers fans should be excited about this kid. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things too, where another uh, uh, even with we go to Alfonso, Eliezer <laughs> 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 Alfonso. Yeah, yeah, a nine day. I know he's trying to catch, and what was it, uh, Jake? I counted five wild throws on Sunday. I stopped counting at five, so there could have been more. I don't know. But I, at five, I was like, all right, I'm done. But, yeah, I mean, it was – he tried to backpick a guy at third base. Um, there was a, a steal, stolen base attempt at third base that he overthrew that cost him a run. Um, two, I think, um, ended up in center field going to second base. 
Um, yeah, the arm is just uh, not there. I don't think he's going to be able to catch long-term, unfortunately. And Joe, you saw one too on Thursday, right? Yeah, I mean, he threw two in the center field when we when I was there on th- uh, Thursday night as well. And I mean, that that's the, I think that's the big issue with his profile. I you know you talk about a guy who can't play catcher, well, he can't hit for power either. At least not from the approach that I saw Thursday night. I, this isn't the guy who's going to be able to drive the ball. Doesn't you know doesn't doesn't have a ton of strength in his swing. Doesn't generate bat speed. And doesn't have a lot of leverage. So I mean, you can find those. You, you got to be able to do one of those three things if you're going to hit for power at least. And I, I didn't see any of them. So. I mean, he is a guy who can put the bat a bat on a baseball. I, I, I mean, this is this is a guy who can make contact. But I to to move off the catch, you know, to move off the you know the the backstop spot. I, I don't think that there's the rest of the profile just isn't there for me. Yeah, I think that's perfectly put. I, I we we were saying he's basically playing catcher because he can't, probably can't play anywhere else. Yeah, he's a, he's a little bit of a bowling ball of a player. Um, <laughs> and and it, you know it's tough because he's one of the guys. There there are. You know, Tigers prospect fans who follow the minors pretty, you know, I don't know, religiously, but they follow the stats and see who's doing well. And, and Alfonso's a guy, you, you see a guy who was like hitting 300 as a catcher. Yeah. And the minors, you think, all right, this is interesting. But this is why you got to go to the games uh, when you can to see like, yeah, this is not going to work as a catcher. And like you said, Joe, there's not there's not power to prop up the profile. So he's just kind of a, a contact based DH, which uh, unfortunately, yeah, probably won't work going up the ladder. Now, I will say this, like, Guys can improve their defense, but he's ha- going to have to improve it a, a, a big, big way. And I think we we touched on it earlier. The uh, a catcher was called up from Lakeland to West Michigan uh, for, and I don't think a catcher was called up from West Michigan to Erie. I think they decided they need another actual catcher to back up Dingler rather than Alfonso. Eduardo Valencia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and that's you know he's got a, a catcher as a manager. So I'm sure they're working with them, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, who else do we see? Well, we saw we saw Lipsius and Raj. I'll let you talk about him because he's he's uh, you you identified him two years ago as a guy we're interested in, and and he seems to have continued along that path of, of being at least mildly interesting. Yeah, and you know these uh, the opposite field home run. Uh, I thought again he he was bad clean up the entire weekend, and well, I'm sorry, yeah, I think the entire weekend he was bad clean up the entire time, and he. Defensively, he had a couple snafus. There's one ball that went by him on third base, but I thought he showed some range. He played second and third. I mean, again, this guy played multiple positions. And I don't know about you, Jake, but I mean, I thought that play at third, he could have had that. But I mean, overall, I thought his range was decent. Yeah. Are you talking about the one where he was going down kind of the third baseline? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to get to that ball alone, I think kind of showcases his range. He probably stole you know, save, save the base there. Cause if it gets down the line, it's, you know, probably a double, but yeah, I was impressed too. Thoroughly impressed, pleasantly surprised. And I know um, he was a solid player for them when he was in West Michigan and that would have been 19, right? Yep. yep. Um, but I was thoroughly impressed with the defense in particular. I think he profiles a little bit better at second base. Um, he plays great defense over there, but I think he could stand at third and, and be totally fine and not expose himself either. So I think defensively it was an outstanding performance. Obviously had the um, the opposite field home run. So it was overall a, a good weekend, and uh, I was encouraged by Lipschitz for sure. Yeah, it was. You know, in 2019 he seemed like a guy. I think he hit for a decent average, but he was not hitting for much power at all. After I think mm-hmm. he he hit a ton of home runs for Tennessee as a junior. 
Uh, and it just looked like he kind of had like a two-strike approach at all times, just trying to poke it to the opposite field. So to see some of that power uh, come into play is really nice. And as you guys said, yeah, he's he's kind of deceptively good on defense because if you watch him, you watch him run after he's got <laughs> – he's like really heavy footed out of the box. He spins his wheels out of the box and his swing for whatever reason kind of takes him toward third base. So he has to re reconfigure himself and head towards first base. So he put up some really slow run times to first base. And again, not a robot. I'm willing to cut off two tenths of a second, but he would still be like a four, six to first base. Um, but, but yeah, on you defense, had multiple times, didn't you? Yeah. I got like a four, seven, seven and a four, eight, three or something yeah, like that, which is, crazy. I mean, those are both 20 grade times, but, uh, but on defense, he doesn't look – his first step seems fine. Like, I don't think he's going to play shortstop, but at third base, he seemed fine, and second base, uh, so. I agree. Yeah, I, there was that I, one I play think... where he kind of, like, went off almost, the right, almost to the right field, made a good, like, uh, went out the right – almost right center, made a nice catch out there. and Yeah, from second base. Yeah, he, yeah. he ranged back toward uh, – yeah, we, we caught that one, too. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's an interesting one. I don't know if I'd put a regular on him at this point, but he seems like a guy, like it wouldn't shock me if he makes the majors at some point as, as a, like a, you know, solid utility infielder. And we'll see. He could keep getting better. And Lipia, and Lip, 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 Lipius, now I have the pronunciation guy right in front of me. Lipsius, yes. Lip, yep. Lipsius. What my favorite part about, I think what I like about his profile overall is that even, it doesn't seem like he doesn't, even when he got overmatched a little bit there by um, Peter, a little bit. I thought he didn't look too overmatched. You know what I mean? Like he didn't. It didn't seem like he was flustered. Took had a couple foul balls off that, and so I think against lower competition or competition, he's holding his own his own level. You know what I mean? Like whereas yeah. Parker Meadows looks a little sometimes three strikes yeah, out kind of thing. You know what I mean? We didn't. So, we didn't. We didn't touch on Parker Meadows, and we, we maybe we touched on it. I like, we didn't. I like Jake. Jake's uh, Jake's expression right now. If you know, around camera, it's just like he has his hands up. Like I got. It. It's the same. It's the same yep. thing as Torque in some ways. It's like you're looking for silver linings. Like I want. I want to see something. Show me. Show me a hard hit ball. Show me, you know, something offensively to show that you know at least if the results aren't there, even that you're you're working on it. You're getting there. You know, there's progress. I was I was having trouble finding anything, unfortunately. Yeah, it seems like just about everything he hits is either a weak grounder to second base or a weak pop up to left field. I don't, I don't. And you see, he looks like you can see, like, man, this guy he should be able to really crush a ball, and it just doesn't happen. And and I don't know, I just don't think he has the ability to find find the barrel, uh, which which is uh, unfortunate. And he's batting first most nights. And I think I think that first night you guys were there, he did get a bunt single, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Sure yeah. did. <laughs> and, and classic. All well, and, and he's another guy who will who will take a walk if they don't throw him strikes. He doesn't expand a ton, but but it's not, you know, he's got a pretty high strike rate when the ball's in the zone. So um who else? Well, Daniel Cabrera, another one of the the uh, twenty twenty draft picks that I don't think was quite as impressive as we would have hoped. Although you guys did catch him get a triple, right, on the final game? Yeah. Yeah, he just yeah. kind of flicked his hands out and, and got it, I think. I don't think that was, you know, anything to make a judgment call yeah. on. But, um, yeah, it, I was kind of sold the bag of goods that there was a lot of back control and that he had a feel for the barrel and there would be, you know, kind of line drive sprayed all over the place. And it really wasn't that. Um I think it's probably more of like a fourth outfielder if if everything goes well mm -hmm. and uh, not much else. But I, 
I think it's probably more an industry issue than a Danny Cabrera issue. I think the expectations for him, you know, heading out of the draft were probably just unfair. Yeah, I mean, I guess on the one hand, I mean, everybody thought the Tigers got a steal, it seemed like. Would they yeah. get in the third round or fourth round? The third round, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Their fourth fourth pick or third pick. I don't know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it seemed to me that he was basically, it was your basic late on fastballs early on secondary stuff, uh, yeah. which I don't know. I, like, again, I, I won't put it past him to adjust to the level and, and start figuring it out later. But again, we didn't see, see much in the way of, of hard contact at all. He did. Were you guys there for his, did he get the walk-off hit or was that earlier in the week? I think that it was, was earlier in the week. That was earlier yeah. in the Yeah. But it, it was another one. Where you, well, it wasn't a walk-off. He had a double to tie the game and then scored on a walk-off wild pitch, I think. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. But, yeah, that's another one. That's, as we said, the, the 2020, to be explicit, the 2020 recalibrations, I would say, is Dylan Dingler stock up, Spencer Torkelson, Daniel Cabrera stock down, or at least timeline pushed back mm-hmm. at the very least. So, yeah, yeah early on. Very, or very early impressions, I would say. And then the uh, who else is there to talk about? Brian Packard. Yeah, Brian Packard. Um, <clears throat> Sunday had a better game. He was two for four. He had a home run. He had that just no doubter bomb. Yeah. It. That's kind of what we were waiting to see from Packard, right? I mean, he, he's a guy mm-hmm. that we, we liked the, his his general ability to hit and control the strike zone, but we weren't seeing a lot of hard contact. And then there you saw it. Like he put a charge into that ball. I think it might be in between the ears a little bit. I know Jake. You and I kind of differed on Packer a little bit. I mean, what was your impressions on Packer? I, I, I'm, I'm still high on Packer. I think he's just right now maybe the, the organizations. He was all told. Everybody was told he was going to be in first base. All of a sudden, he's back in the outfield. So maybe it's just more of a mental thing with him. Um, we saw that water boy comment too that he tweeted out, which I don't know what that means, and I'm not going to. Irresponsible speculation indicates. Um, is maybe the place in the batting order. I don't know, Jake. What, what was your impressions? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a little bit of disappointment just because, again, I I was told he had you know some feel for the for the barrel and we were going to see a lot of loud outs. He had the home run obviously the last day, but other than that, it was a whole lot of um, I don't know weak contact and um, the approach wasn't exactly sound. And he he lost a lot of weight. I mean, physically, um, he's kind of a different cat from even a couple of years ago. So I don't know if that really plays into it. That would be kind of an interesting thought exercise to to dive into um but i don't think that the weight is going to make him an above average fielder all of a sudden either so if you have a little more weight a little more strength i don't know you know what that would mean for him um offensively but i I just find it interesting he's lost a lot of weight and i had trouble kind of like picking him out of the line uh without his jersey number (laughs) in front of me so um yeah i thought that was kind of interesting yeah, the one thing I don't know about Packard is I don't know what he looked like as a sophomore and a freshman at, at East Carolina. He might have put on the weight as a junior, and maybe that's why he slid the draft a little bit. I, I don't know. But, yeah, he definitely looks he looks completely different. You can go and, and watch the interview we did with him a couple of years ago and look at his picture now, and it's like his face looks different. It's mm-hmm. He lost a lot of weight. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that he's another one where I think – Tigers fans are so uh, so used to not having anybody who could hit at all that they get a little wild when somebody shows a, a decent ability to hit, and it's not necessarily like it, I like Brian Packard, but I've said for a while that like I, I don't think it's a profile that's going to work. He's a corner only guy, 
and he can put the bat on the ball, but unless he's going to be hitting 20, 25 bombs, you're not, there's not really a major leaguer there. Unfortunately, it's, it's like, I don't know, you compare him to like Tyler Collins from back in the day, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like Tyler Collins could hit and he could also play center field sort of, and he still was not a good major leaguer. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not the best comparison, but it's just the one that popped up in my head is a, a lefty, but by the way, that was like four, that was like eight haircuts ago for you, Chris. Look at that haircut, man. You yeah. Now. I, yeah. You know what? He doesn't look that much bigger than I remember. Maybe, maybe he looked bigger to me up close and personal. But uh, yeah. Then do we, we don't necessarily need to watch me. Watch myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chris Brown reacts to Chris Brown. <laughs> well, it's uh, an thing. And, and I guess. Lastly, we want to talk, I guess, I didn't see any interesting Whitecaps pitchers in the two days I was there. I don't think. I don't think. Did we get Hess? I don't think I got Hess. Yeah, we uh, got Hess. We yesterday. got Hess, yes. Yeah. And, and, and you also got Cater Montero, right? So yeah. if you guys want to talk about that. <laughs> I, love, I like the way Jake said that. We got Hess. Like, yes. We got uh, Hess. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we got Hess. Um, yeah. I mean, as far as, I mean, if you're looking for an under-the-radar guy, I thought Brisky was interesting for the fact that he had feel for a changeup and he generated swings and misses with a changeup. And that's something that is super uncommon, even in high ball. Um, he hit 94 with a fastball. I don't know. It was, it was kind of interesting at the end of the day. It's not, you know, any type of impact major league profile by any stretch, but um, those guys that can eat innings throughout the minor leagues are uh are of value to an organization. And I think uh, I thought he was decently interesting. Um, he'll probably get some, some results every now and then out of the uh, minor leagues. But yeah, if, I mean, if we want to start with uh, Montero, I think the most interesting thing is that he bumped his velocity up a little bit. He was 93 to 95, traditionally known as like a low nineties guy, uh, heavy bore on the fastball ended up getting up to 96, I believe a couple That's of right. times, yep. mm-hmm. um, got hit hard a little bit, especially toward the end of the start. I think he lost some juice on the fastball. Um, and I don't think long-term it's a starter profile just because a lot of his arsenal is North to South. So if you look, his fastball has sinking action. He's got that big curveball, which has a little bit of depth to it, a little bit of horizontal break, but it's still predominantly like a like a vertical pitch. And then he has a changeup that they were kind of forcing on him to throw a little bit, which I thought was interesting, but it didn't really do much for me. Um, didn't really move all of that much. So you have this, you know, really north to south um, profile that probably wouldn't work um, in the rotation, but it might work in the bullpen. And if he can maintain that velocity that he was showing through the first couple of innings, I think it's an interesting arm to watch for sure. I did end up taking a pitch pitch log and I was not having all his uh the radar gun was you know so I was using the radar gun in every pitch that he was throwing and so came out of the gun 94 96 96 81 he got a curve that was hit at 87 or it was looking like a change up I'm sorry 87 89 79 88 94 95 first hitting when he allowed the triple it was at an 81 mile curveball that didn't exactly break as uh Jake was talking about the north and south but the reason why I did that is because I wanted to see the variations of speed. And I did that with the Dodger pitchers too. On This was on yesterday's start. I should have done this the whole entire weekend because it, it would get, allow me to, every time that mile per hour, I, I put a hit too. Like, so for example, in the 81 was a curveball that didn't break. So I made a note of that. And so out of all the pitchers we saw over the weekend, I thought he was the most intriguing starter. And even this goes back to Lakeland too. I mean, it, the Tigers don't really right now 
outside of double A don't have anybody. I mean, I, in terms of a starter can go five in, um, Arietta went five innings, uh, on Sunday, which is good to see. But again, do they have one that could probably go six or seven? I, 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 I really don't know right now. It just seems like a bunch of right now, essentially West Michigan and Lakeland are late round draft picks. They're just assembled and put out there like a machine, like a like a yeah. line of soldiers well, in World War One, you know, just. <laughs> well, like like Jacob said, I think Brisky is a twenty seventh rounder, which honestly, mm-hmm. if if he if he becomes well, you said he is like a decent minor league starter who can you know be an orc guy. That's that's still a solid draft pick at the, for the twenty yeah. seventh round. But yeah, that's not exactly what you're looking for for system depth when you're trying sure. to find find <laughs> arms. It's, a, it's too bad we can't combine Guzman and Montero into some, you know, wicked curveball changeup mid-90s fastball guy but that's just the way baseball goes i suppose yeah um, I, I i jotted down you know kind of in in thinking about the podcast today i jotted down my three things that i thought were my biggest takeaways from the week of the, the first week of the season and i i mean the success of some of the higher profile bats was was the first thing i wrote down but just the complete lack of depth in the minor league you know pitching in the lower minors is is was the second thing i jotted down I mean, I don't know how many times, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure most of you guys have experienced well, whether I'm watching a game or I'm checking the box scores, there's, there's multiple names. Most of the time, if they go four relievers deep and so, uh, you know, I'm guaranteed that you've loosely heard of some of these minor leaguers that, you know, these, these pitchers that are, are getting in there, the relievers. And, and I think that just says a lot about where the depth's at right now. I've heard of half of these guys, and the ones I do know are way past yes. their prime. Most of these guys never had a prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's a good illustration. I mean, the, the Tigers obviously weren't preparing for a, a pandemic, but, you know, 2019, they go eight out of the top 10 picks are position players, and the two pitchers they take are relievers in, in Hass and Bergner. And then last year, all six picks were position players. And so it's kind of illustrates their lack of success on the international side and in trades. I, I guess theoretically they would have had Wilkel Hernandez probably in, in West Michigan this year uh, until he blew his arm out. That would have helped a little bit, but uh, you know, Hugh Smith just seems to be constantly injured. I don't know what he looks the, like anymore. The 2018 draft. And I'm That's trying it. to, who else? Who else did they take in 2018? Adam Wolf. Adam Wolf was he part of that? Adam guy? Adam Wolf, you're right. He was a 2018. He was down in Lakeland, wasn't he? He's back in Lakeland. Yeah. Or is yeah, he? Well, or is he double A? Or did, yeah, I don't know where he is. No, I think he's in. He's in. I think he's in Lakeland. I'm pretty sure he's in Lakeland. Uh, it's, it's hard to find Wolf. Uh, the Wolf. <laughs> Here's the guy that. Yeah, he's in Lakeland. He's on Lakeland's roster. Yeah. I had it pulled up, and I just left you guys hanging. So sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> but, I mean, there was uh, a guy. There was um. I wanted to see Joseph Salazar because I wanted to see. Yeah. He, what he was available, what he had was capable of, and that's that's you know without Chip here, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he he picked Salazar out is is not necessarily as a guy that's going to be a dude in the future, but just someone who's interesting to him, and and through two starts he seems to be right. Salazar has his I don't know if he's given up a run yet in his two starts in Lakeland, um, and I don't know exactly what his stuff is, but it's been it's been pretty good so far, I think. Um, I don't know if we want to. We, we could just touch briefly, I guess, if we want to, on Erie and Toledo. I mean, we didn't go to any of their games, so we don't have any firsthand experience, but we've been paying attention, certainly. Um, and, and as we've expected, Erie has the least interesting roster, but the best record of all the minor league teams because they've got a bunch of 26- and 27-year-olds who, uh, uh, you know, who are hanging on for dear life. 
And it's, it's uh, you know, it's funny is like I, I was thinking about this too. Like some, I was looking at the round the, the the catching situation in the outfield outside of Riley Green. I'm like, I, I mean, Josh Lester. Before I get yelled at, Josh Lester, who's been there Josh now, Lester, like yeah. fourth season in Erie. Now is this his fourth season in Erie? I feel like he's been there for a while. Third or fourth, yeah. But he's he's yeah he's a staple in Erie, and and he's a quality double A hitter. I think he's seen some time in Triple A, and it didn't go great. Jake Robson is down there tearing it up, and and I've seen. Oh boy, I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't call it a groundswell, but there are some people saying like, "Hey, why isn't Jake Robson getting a chance?" Uh, and I don't know if you guys want to answer that. I, I certainly have my opinion. Jake, you know what, Jake? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and give you. I'm gonna give you like a a, a, a lob. I'm gonna give you a meatball fastball down the middle. Go. <laughs> well, it's. I mean, it's a slap hitter kind of profile, and he'll play good defense and. He, you know, he probably should have gotten a chance at some point, in my opinion. But I think at the end of the day, it's just kind of up and down emergency depth type of role. Um, he actually reminded me a lot of a guy on the loons that we saw over the weekend, um, James Outman. Um, kind, yeah, kind of a similar profile to me where they'll run into one every now and then, but it's going to be mostly kind of slap hit and run and and use your legs to your advantage kind of thing. Um so I mean, it's nothing against the guy, but he's you know he's 26 now, and if you know it's it's kind of now or never for him. I wouldn't mind honestly see him get a chance at some point. Um, but if you're in Double A as a 26 year old, you have to be questioning if that's going to happen at any point. Yeah, particularly when you spend a full season in Triple A and then they send you back to Double A, I think it's it's a sign. I, I said before, like it's a credit to him that he's actually going out there and still performing rather than going. Ah, uh, geez, this is it for me. <laughs> like, like I wasn't. Tr- yeah, it's 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 one thing to be in the majors and get sent back to AAA for some seasoning. It's another thing to like, yeah, yeah, you're back in AA now. It's um, it's it's a f- unfortunate, but by the way, uh, Salazar nine innings, eleven strikeouts, two walks, and two hits allowed. Yeah, so, far, so two starts. Um, so that's a that's a guy with some feel to pitch, I think, and and that's you know Chip picked him out, I think, down in the Gulf Coast League. So good on him. Um. Yeah, I guess the story in Erie is always going to be Riley Green, who is, uh, he's not lighting the world on fire, but we have to remember that he's a 20-year-old who had, what, 25 games in low A, like a year ago? This, I mean, this was a really aggressive assignment, even when you factor in the idea that a lot of guys are getting pushed now because there's one fewer, uh, you know, there's, there's no more short season A ball. And he's staying afloat. He's, what, hitting like 240? Uh, it's like a 25% walk rate, 10% or 25% strikeout rate, like a 10% walk rate. Um, I think we're going to see him struggle a little bit, but he's, when you watch him, he's putting together solid at bats for the most part. It's, uh, you know, he's, he's falling victim to some more advanced pitchers. I think that's my opinion, at least. I, I would feel, I would feel, feel the same way. way. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah, think I don't that I'm really that. worried about his batting average right now. Um, it's just going to be an adjustment in time. Even, a guy like Ryan Kreidler, who's bad 180 right now, that's an aggressive assignment for him considering where he came yeah. from. I mean, he's walking near a 10% clip. He's at 31 strikeout. Um, but, I mean, in terms of, like, just getting fly ball, he's, he's lofting the ball quite a bit. I mean, Riley Green's at a 62% ground ball rate, and then you have Riley or you have uh, Kreidler at the opposite side of it, putting, yeah. you know, uh, 45%. That was interesting, you know, to, to, I think there's, yeah, there's some natural kind of loft in his swing. And I watched the other day where they, somebody threw three fastballs up in the zone right past him. It's like, oh, well, that's going to be an issue for him, I think, going forward. He's going to have to work on that. But again, that's an aggressive assignment. And he's another guy we're not 
predicting like huge things from, but that's its potential utility profile, I think. So, and then beyond that, I don't, is there even an interesting arm in Erie at all? Well, I, I think, mean, they I called... think Elvin, Elvin Rodriguez, we mentioned, we talked oh, about that's right, yeah. we mentioned earlier, <laughs> and he showed a curveball. I, mean, I think it was a, it was a start. One of you, I forgot who you were, I think one of you, either myself or you posted it. But I mean, I thought his curveball looked a lot better. He had some zip on his fastball. And again, just it was just one start, but it was still something that I wasn't expecting considering the rest of the rotation is kind of like, yeah, who? You know, like, I mean, and, you know, Max Green's off too. I mean, again, Max Green's also kind of, this is an aggressive assignment for him. He's going up to high A, so it's an adjustment for him. And I'm expecting the strikeouts in him to get better. Uh, Nothing from Pinto that stands out. Uh, Paul Richin, who was voted at top five control of all baseball America is there. But again, I don't see a lot of swing and miss stuff with him. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, he, he could paint the corners really good. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, there's something to do that. No, no, Elvin Rodriguez is an interesting one. We, we talked about that a little bit uh, where he seems to have improved his pitch ability. Basically, as we were watching, you could see in the video we posted, you'll see basically he can manipulate his curveball now to where he'll he'll drop one in for strike one on the outside corner. It's kind of more loopy, and then he'll tighten it up a little bit harder and throw it in under the hands of a left-handed hitter, which is good to see. And his fastball has – it. he seems to have kind of that that plane on it that, that – I don't know if you'd call it a lack of plane, but basically he can keep it up in the zone, and it seems to have that carry through the zone which I would attribute to spin rate, but I don't know what his spin rate is. So I, maybe it's just an optical illusion, but, but I don't think it's a like plus velo or anything. I think he's still low nineties. So he's another guy who uh, maybe there's a reliever there. Maybe it wouldn't shock me if the Tigers keep having him start going forward and, and try, he may even get a start or two in the major league level at some point, but uh, yeah, I don't think he's necessarily a rotation piece going forward by any means. Um, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think so either. I mean, other than that, I mean, agent. Everybody made the return. You know, agent Ladwood came in back, and I mean, you know, his his xFIP is one one point six five. That's cool. <laughs> well, how old is AJ Ladwig now? Is he twenty eight? Is he thirty? He's twenty eight. Yeah, he's not a prospect. Yeah, so, I mean, you yeah, got I mean, Mark Leiter Jr. down there. He's thirty. He's thirty. <laughs> so, which leads to uh, you know, on Saturday we we were the West Michigan game was in a rain delay a little bit, and so Jake yep. threw on the Van- Vanderbilt game to see Jack Leiter, who very well could be a, a Tiger. In a couple months, it's possible. Uh, and then later, he was asking me how Leiter did. I, I looked, I pulled up, I, I, in my head, I was like, yeah, okay, Mark Leiter, he wants to know. I guess he just really likes double A. Uh, so I was like, yeah, it's like three and one third innings in Erie. And, and then I was like, and oh, wait, skipped, wait, wait. They yeah. had skipped Leiter's start before. So when he had only thrown like 60 pitches, I was like, uh-oh, like there's, you no. know, there's something wrong with Jack Leiter. And he's like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you, you mean you didn't want to know about the non-prospect? Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, by all accounts, Jack Leiter was was awesome in his start on Saturday. Like, uh, you know, throwing tons of fastballs and everything seems fine. All is right with the world. Uh, and then I guess we we touch on Toledo real quick. If there's anything you guys want to say, uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, outside of I, I expected in terms of like from a batting standpoint, maybe I mean, Derek Hill's kind of showing some signs of life a little bit. I mean, he's still striking out at a. Uh, pretty high rate but i mean he's walking more i mean he's he's at four he's at a 14 percent walk rate so there you go uh yeah and he's he a, all over the all over kingdom come yeah i mean he's still a guy he made two great catches last week that's just 
nothing new for him. Yeah. He did hit a, he had a home run on the first pitch of the game on Sunday, I think, which is cool. But uh, in terms of but, but everywhere else, I mean, Matt, you guys want to talk about Matt Manning real quick before we get out of here because Matt Manning's second start, he got or third start rather, he got yeah. up. So uh, yeah, that's that's one of my bullet points. Uh, I got the weekly recap coming for MCB, and uh, Manning's given up eight home runs in twelve and a third innings right now. Uh, he had given up sixteen home runs in three hundred and thirty professional innings before that. So, I don't know if it's if it's the ball in AAA, but I think get off our show. We had some more discussions about Matt Manning, and and that's another one where the perception and the reality I don't think quite meet. I don't know if uh, Joe, you or or Joe and Jake, if you have any thoughts on that. I you know I I I keep waiting to see some some development of a third pitch. And I, you know, that, that, that's kind of the thing that, that I think seems to be holding him back for me a little bit right now. Um, you know, I also think later in starts, you, you tend to see that velocity come out, which maybe means that he could utilize his velocity earlier on, but I tend to see, I've tend to see him 92, 94 early in starts. Now he can reach back for 96, 97 when he, when he needs it. But I mean, he's not, I, I think fans tend to think of him as this guy who's pumping, 98 99 mile an hour fastballs as a starter and that 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 doesn't seem to jive with, with what he does and he's gonna need a third pitch i'm uh, i mean the fastball curveball decent are, are good but i haven't seen anything that that to me screams useful third pitch yeah i i've yet to watch his third start i watched his second start and uh yeah a lot of the same concerns it was where was the third pitch? And I had some concerns even when I heard about this new breaking ball. I'm like, well, if he has a new breaking ball, he has a high slot, 12-6 action. Like, is a new curveball going to come at the expense of the one that he already has? That's good. Um, so I had some concerns uh, about that, but I've, I've yet to really see it. I don't know if it's if it's maybe subtle or maybe he just ditched it, um, but I didn't see it in his second start at all. And I did see a couple of changeups that kind of floated toward the top of the zone, which I can't imagine is by design. Um, so overall, yeah, it's just kind of, kind of concerning. And it's, it's kind of interesting. His fastball, it seems like when it's, when he's commanding it, he's pinpoint, you know, right, right where it needs to be right on the corners, right on the blacks, getting the calls. And then when he misses, the misses are huge and it goes middle, middle, and it goes a long way they get punished. So I, I just find that kind of interesting too. It's this large kind of variance between, um, you know, where his command is from pitch to pitch. Did you guys, was it just, I, I want to ask you guys this question. Did you guys see a lot of swing and miss stuff too? I mean, there's a couple, it seemed like those were few and far between from his first start to his, uh, or from his first start to even his second start. It just seemed like there was a, not that much swing and miss stuff there. Well, you know, I didn't really zero in on that, but uh, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, I, I think to, to Joe's point and to Jake's point, I think we get this perception of this guy with like a plus fastball and a plus curveball, and really they more they'll occasionally flash plus pitches, but I don't think they're consistently there. And uh, I know I've made this comparison several times. Uh, I compare his stuff to Alex Lang's, uh, and I think Manning is more athletic and, and throws more strikes in general, but I think Lang's fastball and Lang's curveball are probably better than Manning's. And without the third pitch, it, it's like you said, it's 
I don't know. I, I don't know if he's really the starter going forward. Um, and there's some, there's a segment of Tigers fans who think like he's going to be the best one. He's going to be the best arm. And I understand why he looks, you know, he's six, six and super athletic and we know he can throw hard and the curveball looks great at times, but there's more to it than that. And, and he hasn't taken that next step. Maybe he will, but yeah, through three starts, it doesn't look like it. Yeah. I was once one of the high people on him just because of the physicality, the body, the curveball. I, I liked all of it, but then it's like, okay, <laughs> what else, what else is there to show? And, um, you know, I think we were kind of sold, you know, the, the mid to upper nineties and he showed that his second start, at least toward, toward the end, he kind of bumped it up a little bit, but it's not where it sits. Yeah. Let's see. Like, yeah. like Joe said, I think he hit 97 in the sixth inning, but. Yeah. I, I, you know, the thing that I always, I, I was with you, Jake, I, 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 I was always a big fan of his and I thought what you, you had the potential you know, like with what you hit on, Chris, you're talking about a six six guy who played was a high level basketball, you know, high level basketball player. I thought there was going to be potential for an elite command profile, you know, out of him as well. When you and I'm I'm considering, you know, his ability to you know use that big frame, drive the ball downhill, repeat his delivery, given that you know, given that athleticism, I thought he had the potential to you know mix some really high level command with that stuff. And I I think the command, I, everything seems to get kind of be a little bit spotty for me. I mean, sometimes the fastball is great. Sometimes the curveball is great. Sometimes the command is great. I just don't see it all put together very often. I, You know, Chris, I know that we've joked around about him being a reliever profile because of the lack of third pitch. And I know I got some crap for that, but maybe, I'm time to re- maybe it's time to revisit that point again, because it was something that I'm just going to still stick to that to a certain extent. I, I mean, a, a lot of grief for me, for me to say that I understand why, but at the same time, I didn't see, I mean, in Erie, he looks a little different than Erie. And maybe there's still a forearm issue, too. I mean, he did have forearm strain. Something mm-hmm. to consider that why is, maybe his pitches are not as, you know, that same kind of stab action. Everything's kind of up in the middle, which is why he's getting hit hard. I don't know. I'm not, again, irris- I mean, again, disclaimer. Irresponsible speculation. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think, to, to Joe's point, I think he does have above average control, but to both Joe and Jake, the, the command isn't there. Uh, he will throw plenty of strikes. Although in his last outing, his third outing, I think he just was like completely flustered by the fact that he'd been given up two more home runs uh, and th- walked three guys, which I think was, I think he only had one walk coming into that game. That Indies, in that Indians team, that in, uh, Indianapolis Indians yeah. team, that's a Pirates affiliate. That's not that very good team. No, I mean, he's given up home runs too. Is it like Will Craig and Swaggerty's? Uh, Swaggerty's yeah. yeah. very vaguely interesting, but. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Chip was the first one who ever said, like, yeah, I think there's some reliever risk there, and even maybe not a great reliever because he's a right-handed guy without a changeup, which you would want to, you know, combat lefties. Uh, I'm not – it's another guy, like, I, I feel like we're being super negative of everybody, but this is, I think, just kind of the reality of prospects. You, they're not finished products, and I think we all just kind of expected that this super athletic guy with a big arm was going to easily pick up a third pitch and easily uh, refine that command, and it's just taken longer than we thought, and it might not ever come. I mean, Jeremy Bonderman never could uh, master the changeup. It's a field pitch, and some guys don't have the feel. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it is what it is. I mean, it, right now, like I said, it's way too early. We'll have, maybe in a month from now, things will change. Maybe Spencer Torkelson, you know, becomes the hottest hitter in high A or whatever hell that they name yep. the divisions. 
<laughs> maybe you know, maybe we see another like even like somebody like Jose Garcia who's with uh, Cincinnati, somebody like that that comes along through Detroit that comes out of nowhere and, and provides like a good infield. Cody Clemens on the DIL and no one ever was told why or what happened, and and yeah, that was kind I, of like an interesting second. Like right now, the Tigers are carrying three catchers because they don't really have much of a choice. Zach Short's on the DL because he had a or IL rather because he got hit in the head. Took so something to do with that, possibly, and they are just the grasping for straws at this point. That's so. This is where the miners could come step up and and have some somebody come in and do something, and they can't right now. Yeah, that that catcher, uh, those catcher dominoes fell really quickly. Like suddenly, and Garneau got hurt. I think Jake was noticing that he wasn't there at the the alternate site or wasn't mm-hmm. playing. Uh, and so then Haas comes up and Griner's hurt and Ramos is hurt. So Haas and Rogers come up. Now they've kept Haas up with some thought that maybe he's going to play left field. And Roger, you made a good point in your, uh, your good, bad and ugly article today on MCB about how we make, we might see Willie Castro go down to Toledo and Haas you know, scope move back to second for the most part and Haas take over some first base with, with Cabrera. I could see that happening very easily. Uh, I think maybe we would have seen Castro up, or down earlier if uh, Isak Paredes was doing anything more than hitting singles. He went nine for 27 last week and all, they were all singles. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's not, uh, it's been a weird start to the year for, for Toledo and, and for, I guess, Detroit as it were. But as you said, anything could change in, in another month. We might be super amped about everybody in the system. Maybe the warmer weather, warmer weather will roll through, you know, West Michigan, Erie, Toledo, and everybody will start heating up with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there, that, that, that's a distinctive possibility. So please do not yell at us for, oh, you guys are not optimistic and Jacob Robson should belong. Yeah, yell at us if you want. We're just trying to be realistic with people. Yeah, you know what? You know, no, yeah, yell at us. But just, you know, if you come in and yell at us, just get, be logical about it. You know what I mean? Like, don't, you know. But as long guys, as you listen. Yeah, as long as you listen, yeah, that's that's all that matters. And and so, honestly, um, again, thank you for everybody who's checked out the podcast this evening. There'll be a Tigers SRD podcast on back on Friday. It was like I said, it was a little weird not being there, but uh, nevertheless, you guys did a really good job. So I thank mean, you, you and you. You're you um, doing your Carmen San Diego act like all over the place. That's a good fifteen years too young for uh, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Jake, Jake, once Jake's uh, kids get a little bit older, there's a whole new net Carmen San Diego Netflix series now. That, oh, like, is there? Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, nice. It's there pretty great. So he'll, he'll be into it soon enough. And I, think my, Jake? I, think, I think my highlight of the weekend was talking some references and Jake looking at me like, I have no idea what you're talking Like, There's a picture for the <laughs> loons who looked like he was pitching. like He looked exactly like Sterling Hitchcock. And if, and Joe and Chris might got that reference. And Jake looked at me like, who? Yeah. Sterling Hitchcock, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to be able to like pawn that off like i know the guy too like i'm just gonna have to have to own that one unfortunately no it was just it was just the, it was just funny how it was like some of those references and even chip was making some obscure references that i was getting up but i i love the obscure references it's it's fantastic stuff but uh mm-hmm. again thanks so much for listening we appreciate it we'll be back probably in a couple of weeks or so probably do one or twice of these a week and uh, there'll be some video of this of this podcast on our youtube channel tiger metal report until then we'll see you next time <laughs>